0: It's, uh, it's great to be here, right? And I know every preacher that gets up here says that, and I'm trusting they all mean it and they all believe it, but it really is great to be here. I love this church. I just had seen a lady that used to go to the church. I, I used to pastor, and she's now here. And I said, I'm really glad you're here. And I said, because I know that you're going to be fed the Word. Uh, you're going to hear the gospel. You're going to see the gospel lived out, but you're going to be really well cared for. I said, I know the elders here and, and they love sheep and they love Jesus. So I said, I'm glad you're here. And I said, they really take care of me because our, our family needs cared for too. And so Joe's like like my pastor. Right, in so many ways. He's my friend, but he's also my pastor. And I said, and you know, we need lots of things. And she's like, well, what do you need? I said, we need prayer. I said, we need people and we need cash. She's like, you're very needy. I said, we are. And uh, I am. And so, anyway, that's just a little bit of just me warming up with you. It's great to be here. Um, But let's get started. Hey, so have you ever seen the yard sign um, that says God loves you? Right? And it says a bunch of other things right after that. But it says God loves you. And, and I've seen this. I've seen this all throughout Greensburg. And it's true. God does love you. But it's incomplete. And it's, it's really insufficient to communicate what needs to be communicated there. And so, you know, I think a lot of people wonder, well, what kind of person does God love, right? Maybe you're even here today, and you're wondering, does, does God even love me? And you might know the story of God's grace and wonder that question. You might not actually ask it outwardly, but many times you might think it inwardly. Martin Luther said this quote. He said, If I could believe that God was not angry with me, he said, I would stand on my head for joy. I mean, I feel that. right. In the seasons where I'm growing in the Lord, it's because I'm understanding His love for me in Christ. And so I know it's true for me. I know it's true for the people that I've, I've had the privilege of walking beside through counseling and just different things. And so here's what I know. The love of God and understanding the love of God through the explicit gospel is the cure for almost every spiritual ailment that I've ever come in contact with in my entire life. And the story of the prodigal son probably explicitly shows the Father heart of God and the love that God has for sinners. Probably better than almost any story in the Bible. And that's why it's so beloved. It's a beloved story. Maybe, maybe the most. We could argue over that. But i got to tell you, there's, there's, there's times where I think we can miss the beauty of the context of the story. And, and we just focus in on the, the youngest son, the prodigal, and, and miss the heart. Miss the heart of what's happening. So what I want to do today is I want to take our time and go through Luke 15. We're going to go through all the chapter and you're like, oh man, I didn't pack a lunch. I promise we'll get there. I have a time limit. They have a hook or something that's going to drop me through the floor if I don't finish on time. So we will. But our main emphasis is going to be from verses 11 to the end. But let's get the, the complete context. You guys ready? Luke 15, starting in verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So, so listen, put your sandals on, go back some 2,000 years, get the picture of what's happening. You've got tax collectors and sinners, and they're drawing near to this, this rabbi, this religious man, which would be like absolutely no-no. Pharisees and scribes, They're grumbling about what's happening, right? All throughout the Gospel of Luke to this point, Jesus is a a magnetic enigma. They they don't understand him, but they can't stay away from him. So they keep drawing near to see who is this man? What's this man about? And so they keep drawing around. But but notice, the tax collectors and the sinners, they they came near to hear, right? But the Pharisees and the scribes, they're drawing near to, to condemn, There's a big difference. How we come to the Word of God, how we come to hear a sermon, how we hear the the Word of God preached, do we come as though I need this? Or do I come because this person needs it? I just want to encourage you that we want to come near to Christ to hear Him. Jesus knows the hearts of all men, women, and children. right? And many times the Word of God will confront us, but it it comes to, to bring comfort as well. And so Jesus, with great precision, gets ready to tell three parables. And He's, he's going to do some surgical work. But it's spiritually done, right? Um, to, just a word on parables. Uh, it's been said that, that parables are an earthly story that has a, a heavenly meaning, right? And so He's going to tell three stories. And the aim is to reveal truth. But you know what? What's crazy about parables is if you come to, to not actually get God, He'll actually hide truth from you. And we learn that from the Gospels. So Jesus is about to tell three parables, and here he goes. Here's the first one. It's found in Luke 15, 3-7. I'm going to read it as a whole, and we're going to move on to the next one. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing like notice that word and and when he comes home he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for i have found my sheep that was lost just so i tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance or you could say who think they need no repentance right so that's one story Then the next one, he he goes on, and it's it's the lost coin. It's found in 8-10. through He says, Or or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Jesus says, Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God Over one sinner who repents. To summarize those first two parables, I would I would say this: the main point that that Jesus is getting at is that God loves people in the same way that, that the shepherd loves finding lost sheep, and the woman loves finding a lost coin. Right? Jesus is confronting the religious people around him right now. He's confronting their leaders with their failure to understand what brings the father joy because they're missing it they're not seeing it it's not people who who hide behind Versace fig leaves right and and pretend that they have it all together all the while in their heart is some just nasty stuff going on but everyone looking around says oh no they do everything just wonderful but they're really trying to clean themselves up it's not what brings the father joy What what brings the Father joy, what brings God great joy is when those who recognize I'm desperately lost are restored to the Father. Jesus came to seek and save sinners. That was His aim. And the means of doing that in every way was the cross, the resurrection, the ascension where He would mediate between God the Father and a sinful people to make a way. But all those things were means of glorifying God and bringing sinners home. And they're missing it think about it right now. It brings God delight to love you, to save you, to bring you home, and to just enjoy life with you forever. Is that how you picture the Father? I hope, and if not, I'm going to work hard so that you might be able to see it. And I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would just illuminate your mind and your heart to understand His love for you, because we need help in this. We need help in this. No matter how much you think I've got the understanding that God loves me, it's unsearchable. The height, the depth, the width. Like You and I could never get to the bottom of how much God loves us. And that is what really causes us to grow to be more like Christ, is understanding His profound love for you. And so that's been my prayer for you all week. Well, this, this next parable, he, he takes his time. And so it's been famously known as... The prodigal son so let's jump in and this is where we're going to spend much of our time he said in, in verse 11 he said to them there was a man who had two sons notice two sons i think a lot of times we focus on one and we miss the other and the younger of them said to the father father give me the share of property that is coming to me now that might not stand out to you that's a strange request it's a very strange request because when do you actually get an inheritance yeah, it's when the dad dies. It's when the father dies, but he's like, "Yep, I've been kind of hanging out. I've noticed your diet's not great. I've been hoping that you'd kick the bucket soon. I don't have time for this. If you could just give me the cash now, i got a life to live. really appreciate that." So we'll, we'll find out what happens. But, but, but don't miss, don't miss the ignorance in the question. He's essentially saying, "Dad, I can't wait for you to die." I can't wait. I I don't have time for this. I have a life to live. Could you just give me the money? I don't really want you. I just want what you've got. Okay. How is that going to continue? Well, it says, And the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country. What's that look like today? Sometimes it looks like students going to college. Sometimes it looks like they go to Vegas and different things. But I just can't get away. I can't wait to get away from you, from your presence. And so he goes. And there he squanders his property and it says in reckless living. We'll find out later. That's through prostitution and through just different means. It's, it's, it's living a wild life. It's just spending all you have to get what you could never get with money. And, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine, right? Like inflation went up, gas prices went up, market crashed, might sound familiar. Arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the, the fields to feed pigs. That's pretty low, right? That's pretty low. And he was longing, it gets worse, longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything, right? Does sin bring happiness? Well, for a season, I think it can. I've experienced that. But in the long run, no way. The freedom that this young man wanted did not last long. It did not last long. Picture this young man. He's a pitiful young man at this point, right? He's lost everything. He has no family. And by the way, if you got no cash and you're like hanging out with pigs, you got no friends. If you got cash and you're hanging out with pigs, you got no friends. He's abandoned his family. He has no money, right? I think it was Biggie Smalls that says more money, more problems, although he says "Mo money, no mo problems. Well, no money brings problems too. And he's finding this out. He's hit rock bottom, less than zero. It's a scary place to be. Some of you may have been there. And here's why it's scary. Because the further we run away from the place where the Father lives, the harder it is to actually hear the words, my beloved Son. And He's brought low. But then it continues. The story continues. It says, But when He came to Himself... Oh man, there's a lot to unpack there. There really is. He came to His his understanding. He came to His mind. Right? It's a picture of repentance. This pitiful young man becomes fully aware of just how lost he truly is as he's longing to be fed with what the pigs eat. Right? This is what sin does. This is what sin does. It it promises life, but it actually brings about death. So he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? I mean, what a good dad. Even the servants, they eat well. Not this young man. He said, but I I perish here with hunger. I'm hungry. I long to be fed. He said, I know. I will arise and I will go to my Father. And you can just see the, the picture of grace here because light is starting to shine in the darkness. As this young man begins to realize that, that like he was wrong about his dad. He was wrong about his father, right? It, he understands. He's beginning to understand that life with the Father is the good life. This is where life and happiness and vitality happens. It's way better than what the world has to offer. I'm sure it was fun for a season, but he's not having fun right now. And so he begins to rehearse his speech. Have you ever done that? (laughs) Right? Like you find yourself in a bad way and you begin to... No one talks to you more than yourself, by the way. right? I, I just promise you that. You start to rehearse the speech. You start to understand, like, well, he'll probably say this, and what would be my response to that? But listen to what he says. I, I know. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. Now, now man, this, in one sense, this looks really good. And it possibly could be. Because here's the deal. There's, but there's many ways to come home, right? This could be a picture of humility. Humility. But I, I, gotta, I say you've got to be careful with this, right? Because I think it could maybe miss the heart of grace. He's not ready to be received home as a son. He says, hire me out as a servant, right? It, it, it looks like a little bit of payback maybe, possibly, right? He's not ready to be received as a son. I'll just be a slave. But, but I can tell you that's not grace and that's not how the gospel works. No, nope. you're not going to come home and, and pay it back. Can I just tell you that, that it's through repentance, not repayment, that you enjoy the love of the Father? So many people who were prodigals are still trying to earn the love of God that they already have. They're trying to repay the Father and the Father. He doesn't need anything you got. That's, what's, that's what makes his love free. It's what makes his love beautiful. This is why many young prodigals end up actually becoming the older brother. Because they're still just trying to repay back the dad. And it's sad. Still, he begins his long journey home. And really, the only question that remains is, how will the father react? Well, we don't have to wait long. Listen to the next word. And try to picture. Try to picture what's happening. Picture the scene. He says, but while he was still a long way off, you just imagine walking down the dirt road, right? His father saw him. I love that line. I love that. And he felt compassion, right? You you probably have some prodigals in your life. They might not be your children, but they're people who are far from God and you love and you pray for. He felt compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. Notice the verbs, felt, he saw him, felt compassion, ran, embraced him, kissed him. In that culture, it would be like unheard of for a grown man like this to run, right? I think we ought to bring that culture back. Right, I have embraced that. And I know some don't. Joe loves to run. This guy likes to run. He sees him. He can't help himself. He runs to his son. And he embraces him. He feels compassion. He kisses him. He loves him. It's a stunning picture of grace. The picture we see here is is scandalous. And listen to what the son says. The son begins to say to him, he says, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's good. No excuses. As high as it goes, I have done this. This is me. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. No, no more words does he get out right there. But the father said to him, to his servants, listen to what he says, bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. This is the God we worship. Let us eat. Let us celebrate. For this This is my son. He was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost, and he is found, and they began to celebrate. (laughs) Yeah, amen's right. That is a beautiful picture. This is who you want to go home to. This is who you want to go home to, and this is the God you go home to through repentance and faith and trusting in Christ. The son begins to unfold his words, all the things he had rehearsed, right? But, But he gets hardly a word out the Father interrupts him with a lavish welcome home party. It's amazing. In a moment of forgiveness, love, and celebration, what we see is the heart of the Father. We see the love of the Father. We see a picture of grace. And we see what brings the Father joy. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is actually putting an exclamation point on the previous two parables. right? If, if we rejoice at the restoration of sheep? Because no doubt the religious people are like, yeah, I mean, it'd be good to get that sheep. We're, we're, we're all about, you know, shepherds and stuff. How much more joy would it bring God to bring lost sinners home to Him? Oh, if, you're ex- if you think it's exciting to get some cash, the lady found her, her, her coin, and it wasn't like, you know, like a little Bitcoin. It wasn't like a nickel. It's some serious cash. Well, if that makes you happy, then how much greater happiness does it bring the father to see one of his children come home it's not it's not even close it's not even close and you're missing it you're wondering why these guys and gals are coming around me oh sinners and tax collectors those nasty folks and you think it's disgusting you're missing the point point. and that is the point but but here's the thing how many sons did the father have two Remember, he has two sons. And the story continues. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and he drew near into the house, he heard music and dancing. Oh, uh-oh. Religious folks don't like dancing for the most part. Everybody's nervous now. Music, okay. Dancing, eh. Right? And he called, he called one of the servants and he asked him what these things meant. What's, what is all this commotion? Right. And he said to him, your brother has come home. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. And can you picture it? Can you feel what he's feeling? Right, The older son's been in the field. He's been working hard. It's been a long day. No doubt he has had to pick up much slack. He has had to do a lot more than he ever thought he'd have to do because the younger brother left him with all the responsibility. And now he's coming home from an exhausting day of work. And as he gets closer, he hears a commotion. And then he hears the report. What's the report? Well, the the report's pretty surprising. Your younger brother's come home. Maybe that's not surprising. He probably thought, yeah, he's a loser. Of course, he'll fail and come home. But that's not what has him angry. What has him angry is there's a party. There's a party. What's up with the party? And notice what it says, but he was angry. And he refused to go in. And if you step back and you consider his perspective, I think it's easy sometimes to just feel his outrage. right? If we could just lower our guard and just read the story for what it is, yeah, I get it. But, but in this moment, Jesus is confronting the Pharisees and the scribes about their grumbling, about their complaining, and about their cold hearts. And so the story continues. His father came out to the older brother. And he, listen, he entreated him. I don't know if we use that word all that much, earnestly, anxiously encouraging him, almost begging him to join the party. Come in, come in, right? But he answered his father, look, look, these many years I have served you. You can hear it. I never disobeyed your commands. You, You never gave me a young goat, let alone a calf. Right, that I might celebrate with my friends. But ho, oh, oh, ho, when this, when this son of yours, not, not my brother, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property, Dad, with prostitutes, you you killed the fattened calf for him. Hear it? The the older son, he, he's seething with anger. And it's all coming out on the father, essentially saying. You owe me. You owe me. Why are you doing this for him? He doesn't get grace. He doesn't understand it, right? And yet, the father's love and compassion that he has for the younger son, he has for the older brother. I think we miss this a lot of times, right? It's coming out now with patience. It's coming out for the, the older brother with patience. The lostness of the older son. It's much harder to diagnose, though. It's much harder to diagnose. Everybody in the neighborhood, everybody in the village, they would say, this is the guy. This is the son you want. He looks so good. He stays. He works hard. He sweats. But but he's working for a love that he already has. He doesn't get it. He's working to get something, not from something. And how many times do we see even our own hearts doing that? right he did everything right he stayed he was obedient he was hard-working he seemingly honorable and in some ways it was it appears he's the model son yet a, a closer look as we start to look at it we, we understand that he was working for a love of the father not from it i just want you to love me dad and this has left him like all religions do Resentful, proud, unkind, unloving, unforgiving, selfish, bitter, and deeply lost in his own goodness. He did everything right. And yet, the father said to him, Son, you were always with me. And this, all, all of this that is mine, it's yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad why because this is your brother he was dead don't miss the word dead here he was dead but now he's alive he was lost but now he's he's found i mean you can almost picture the father welling up with tears in this moment in his eyes because he's now looking at his older son and he realizes i have another lost son i have another lost son I thought I had both my boys at home. I don't. You're lost. And this is where we're left. It's where we're left. It's like a good Netflix show. They don't give me what I want. They just stop. It's like there's going to be another season. Nope. No other season. We're left with a strange twist and a little bit of a cliffhanger, right? That is a good story, right? But it's not just a story. I mean, this is pointing to something far greater than this moment. The, the parable ends with a surprising reversal of fortune right do do you see it the younger son is actually inside the house celebrating with a restored relationship with the father while his older brother is angry and he's on the outside looking in he's estranged from his father is that what you picture but can i encourage you to not miss the main point of luke 15 or at least what i'm saying is the main point now, I, I think the main point is it's not primarily about lost sheep. It's not primarily about lost coins. It's not even primarily about the lost younger son. And it's not primarily about the older lost son. No, they're not the main point. The main point is it's about the love of the Father. It's about what brings God Joy. Jesus is answering the question from verse 1 and from verse 2 of why Jesus eats with sinners and tax collectors. Why? Because the Father loves lost people. He loves lost people, and He loves when they come home so much. Heavens rejoice. Angels sing. He longs for them to come into His everlasting joy. See, in this picture, in some ways, God is the shepherd who goes looking for that one. He's the one who goes looking for that lost sheep. And in, a, in another way, don't push it too far, but God is like this woman who's looking for this lost coin, right, and, and tears apart the house to find it. Until it's found. And God is definitely pictured in this as the Father who anxiously watches and waits. Not anxious in a sinful way, but patiently waits for His children to run home and enjoy life with Him. And when they do, He embraces them. He pleads with them. He loves them. He urges them, come in. Come into my joy. My joy is everlasting. Come home. I mean, the father wants the younger son to come home. The father wants the older son to come home. My question for you this morning, see, the father loves them both. He welcomes them both. He he, he encourages them to come to the table, to pull up a seat with dad, and to enjoy life with him forever. Because that's where his healing presence is found. The heart of the father burns with an immense desire to bring his children home. Can I tell you the gospel is the most inclusive, that's a buzzword, message ever. Because he says, oh, come to me. But it's the most exclusive message ever, because there's only one way to come home, and it's through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The question is, which son needs to repent? Answer, both. Which son deserves a fattened calf to be slaughtered? Answer, neither. Neither. They don't deserve it. That's, you, don't, you, don't, you don't earn grace. You receive grace. The, the painfully real picture before us is that both sons need healing and restoration. They need forgiveness. Both sons need to come home to the warm embrace of their father who loves his children. Everyone's invited to pull up a chair to this table and to enjoy the celebration. That's grace. That's the point of the three parables. It's an invitation to everyone. It's an invitation to you. Have you pulled up this chair? Have you entered the joy of the Father? My hope is yes, because this Father is a Father of compassion. This Father is a Father full of mercy, full of grace, full of love. This, this Father, by the way, this might shock some of you, loves the party. He loves to party. He loves to throw a big old barbecue. Right At this stage of the game, there's no bacon on it. Now, bacon. He loves it. Do you think about God that way? Or do you think he's like a big old cosmic killjoy? No, God loves the party. He loves to celebrate. He loves it. What do you think you're going to do for all of eternity? you think you're going to be like a chubby little cherub sitting on a cloud strumming a harp? Sounds miserable. Thankfully, that's not the picture that God gives us. You're not going to be just floating in the sky. Heaven comes down. You will dwell with God forever in a new heaven, and a new earth. Everything's renewed. You'll have a glorified body who can actually enjoy God at his fullness, but you'll never get to the end of his grace and his goodness. In a billion years, you can't comprehend that unless your brain's way bigger than mine, and it probably is, but even then, I doubt it. In a billion years, you won't be like, "Eh, I think we got it. That's it. It'll never wrap up. He'll continue to reveal His greatness to you. I don't know if we sleep, but if we do sleep, when we wake up, we'll be like, did you know that? I had no clue. For eternity. This is the God who calls you to come home. This is the God who loves you. This is the God who says, just just pull up a seat. You don't understand what I've done. I'm pretty sure I do. Just come home. Come home. I told you I had a question and I didn't ask it. My question for you this morning is, which brother is easier for you to love? Well, I know my answer. I'm not going to say it. Is it the older religious brother? Can I tell you a lot of churches that's true? It's the older religious brother. So many churches are led and filled with the older brother. right? And, and by the way, you can almost always tell because they condemn the younger re- rebellious brother. Right? They, 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 and they get on Facebook and they let you know all the people that are losers. But, but they coddle the older brother who's just as far away from God. And, and they even high-five them, they applaud them, and they give you little pins and you can put them on your shirts. You can also tell because those churches that are filled with that kind of religious older brother almost never go looking for the younger brother. <laughs> They're so inward. They don't go looking for them. They create a space where everybody can come in and just get their you know, wool fluffed up. All the while, you got some mangy, young little brother in the ditch, dying, longing for someone to come and say, come home. Come home. They don't go looking for the lost. They don't give money towards that end. They just keep fluff- fluffing each other up in their own little pen. And then they look and they say, Boy, the pen needs painting again. Let's paint it. Is that, is that hard for you, love? You don't have to hang out with me long to know. There's where I struggle. <laughs> right? How about the, 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 the younger rebellious brother? Do you find that person harder to love? Because they should know better. I mean, they were raised in the church. To think that way, by the way, misunderstands the miracle of grace. You're spiritually dead. I don't care if you were like, born and as soon as you came out the doctor spanked you and you said jesus as your first word i don't care if they just like put you around like all the Awanus bible studies a miracle still has to happen in the heart that's how it works listen if we're going to be like the father then we must learn to love them both that's the point that's the point you got to learn to love them both our god loves sinners with a joyous passionate love Therefore, we must invite people to come home to enjoy the longest, deepest, and fullest life with the Father. I mean, what a privilege. What a privilege it is to introduce, let's call them the irreligious, to the God who loves them. What a joy it is to, to introduce the religious to the gospel of grace and the God who deeply loves them and wants them to come fully into the family. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a privilege, family. And I know you get it for the most part. I mean, I just know because I hang out with your elders enough to know that this is where the heart beats. I'm so thankful because it's not, I wish that was the case everywhere I go. It's not. It's not. And that breaks my heart. But who cares about my heart? It breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God when, when we're like, why are they hanging out there I, I got a real quick story. I know what my time end is, and we 're on track. This is a miracle we were We were working at a place where there was some serious punk music if you don 't know what that is, look it up on your own discretion in Greensburg. And we noticed that like everybody was really enjoying time and turned up a lot, right? And, and here's the thing, but we also noticed there were a lot of kids just kind of like flying around near the highway and um, no one was really watching them. And we're like, we're here to reach some people, but we better reach these kids, like, like reach out and get one because they're about to get like Frogger. Um, so we talked to the people that were there and we said, hey, could we just like set up a tent to make sure these kids don't go splat? And uh, they're like, I mean, yeah, if you're up for that, I mean, we're not going to pay you. I'm like, yeah, that's my life story. Let's do this, right? And so we set up a tent, and, and our church just held it down, and we created this little carnival field where they could play games and get free beanie babies and all these different things. We just wanted to make sure they were good while these guys and gals were partying and they were, like, wiling out. And, and I got to tell you, man, there was a guy who comes down, and he was, you, you just tell, like, one of these guys is not like the other. That was this guy. He ain't there for some punk music, right? So he comes down, and, and he comes up, and I know he's not a kid, so I know he's not here to play a game. And he says, are you the pastor of this church? And I'm like, I'm one of them. And he says, I don't understand why you're here. And I was like, I like punk music, and I like kids. <laughs> and, and he goes, I just can't believe you'd be here. And in my mind, and I have a quick tongue, it gets me in trouble a lot, guard my mouth lord and i didn't say it to him but i thought it right i thought yeah i get that you don't get it it's obvious he said i go to this particular church and he tells me the church and he goes, we'd never be caught dead here and i thought that's why we came he admitted it but here's the thing i know so many people who think it they just don't say it is that you I would never be caught dead here. What might people think? Let them think. Because if you think that punk bands come into a church service, they're not. We were never trying to get them to come to us. Go. Tell. So we went. And then i got to tell you, some of them came. And they were like, this is kind of lame, right? Because it's not the music they want. They're like, we could spice this baby up. But one of them's still there. One of them's still there. Jesus went to them. Will you? Will you? Oh, I pray you do. What a privilege it is to just be wrung out for the sake of the gospel. What a privilege it is. Because because I can I just tell you that Jesus, in a in a sense, became the prodigal for our sake. Because what did he do? He left home. Now, hang in there before you're like, whoa, throw a rock at Him. He left His heavenly house. He came to a foreign country. He gave away all that He had and He returned to the Father, but this time He returned through a bloody cross, through a triumphant resurrection, and now He's back home. Why? So that He could reconcile sinners to the the Father. And all of this He did not as a rebellious son. He did this as a perfectly obedient son. Who willingly came on a divine rescue mission to bring all the lost children home who would trust and believe in him to the everlasting joy of the Father. And he says, Now join me in this work. He says, Join me in this work of calling my lost kids to come home and to enjoy life with the Father. And can I tell you something? Through repentance and faith, when you do that, you know, the the younger son, what did he think he needed? He thought he needed forgiveness, and he did. What, what did the older brother think he needed? He needed righteousness, and he did. But can I tell you something? When we come to trust and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith, what we get is everything we need. We get forgiveness, and we get perfect forgiveness righteousness right now. You are justified in the moment that you trust and believe the good news of Jesus Christ. You are as holy as Jesus Christ himself because in the courtroom of heaven, the the gavel has been banged. And all your sins have been put on Jesus on the cross when you trust and believe in him. And you go to the grave with him because the answer for you and myself, my friends, is death. We deserve death. The wage of sin is death. Jesus died that death in our place and we go to the grave with Him. But when we trust in Him, we come to new life. You're a new creation. You now are seated in heavenly places. In those heavenly places, no one could ever rip you from the hand of the Father ever again because you did nothing to earn it. You just received it. And man, when you receive it, you want to know how you understand if you're close to the heart of God? It's not that you got all your stuff together. It's like one beggar going to another beggar and saying, I got to show you where to get some food. And this food never runs out. And this water never runs out. Will you come eat? Will you come drink? My father has prepared a place for people just like you. Come home. Come home. Earnestly beg, plead. Come home. Don't just give a... Uh, one, one more minute and I'll pray. We'll be done. Don't just give a drive-by shooting of the gospel. I'm not saying that God's not powerful enough to save in that moment. The power's in the good news of Jesus Christ. I get it. Romans 1.16, Yes. But can I tell you, that wasn't Paul's theology. I'll just shoot it out there and then walk away. He earnestly begged. He spent time with them. He pleaded with them. He taught them. He opened the scriptures with them. He spent time after time. He became all things to all people. And can I tell you right now that the America that we're currently living in right now, you need to spend a lot more time than you think you need to with people to understand these things because they have no context for the word sin. They have no context for the word holy. They don't care about righteousness and they don't know why they should. You've got to work. It's the work of an evangelist. It's the work of the church to go and to open your homes, to open your cabinet, and to open the Word of God. And then, when you have done your job and you have presented the Gospel to them, you then plead. I know this messes with some of your theology. Well, they're saved. I'm all about that, by the way. Oh, I'm, I'm as Reformed. You can put capital R on me. But can I tell you, No one's probably more Reformed than Paul. And Paul pleaded. He begged. He begged. Come home. Come home. So my last word is if you're here and you're far from God, today's the day to come home. Today's not tomorrow. You're not promised tomorrow. Come home. And then spend the rest of your life inviting people to the party and to the God who loves the party. That's what we're called to do. Will you join me in prayer? Oh, I pray you do. Father, thank you. You are a God who loves to celebrate. You love to party. You love to invite broken people home because that's all there is. So Father, I pray right now that you would just work mightily through your Holy Spirit among your people right now to press upon their heart how much you'd love them. How much you delight in them. How, how much you don't have a, a grin. Like you're, you're not frowning. You're smiling upon your people and that they might bask in your goodness and in your love and then spend the rest of their lives enjoying you and inviting others to come home and to enjoy you. Lord, I pray that you'd be magnified in and through these people's lives. Bless them beyond their understanding with your goodness. You are the God at the right hand who is there as pleasures forevermore. Help us to understand those pleasures through the riches of the gospel. We ask in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.